Hello, world. Hey. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. It's like I've forgotten how to say hello. <laughs> hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Life with Kaka. I'm your host and fellow producer, Carolina Gropa. This week on the show, I sit down with M. Elizabeth Hughes. Many of the guests you'll hear from I've actually never met before we sit down to record. Others, however, like this week's guest, have been a part of my life professionally and personally for many years. In fact, Elizabeth and I have done three movies together, and we share a birthday, November 21st, if you're curious. She's produced a ton of films, a ton of series, and one of my favorite all-time movies, Short Term 12. Most recently, she produced the Amazon docuseries Lorena, which reframes the story of Lorena Bobbitt. If you have not checked it out, I highly, highly recommend it. Elizabeth gives us an unfiltered look into the challenges of spending almost a decade as a physical producer. It's an all-consuming part of the filmmaking process where you're working insane hours, you're not sleeping, you're not eating, you barely have time to recalibrate, and oftentimes, especially when there's a lack of awareness or appreciation for the immense energy it requires, it can leave your body and your soul depleted. I believe growth comes from checking in with ourselves. I'm constantly asking, does this still fulfill me? Does it still make me happy? And then being open to whatever the answer may be. So let's dive in. So many questions uh, that I have for you. Um, I guess the first is I really want to catch up the audience to who you are, where you've come from, how you got started in this business. Okay. Um, I'm Emma Elizabeth Hughes. <laughs> I was born in Georgia and uh, decided when I was in college that I wanted to go to film school. So went to grad school at Chapman University, which is what brought me out to California, which is where I met, uh, you know, all the people I tend to work with these days. Yeah, at Chapman. Uh, at Chapman. Yeah. Um, so I've been out here since 2006. And I just, after I graduated, just stayed and started working and I'm still working today. So that's good. Great. And that's the end of the podcast. That's it. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> Wait, so when, why Chapman? Like at that time there was AFI, USC, why did yeah, you decide? Um, Chapman, because I, I did apply to USC and AFI and Chapman. And I also actually applied to two other schools that had nothing to do with film. Mm. And I, you know, I was just kind of leaving it up to fate. I was like, what, what's going to happen here? You know? Yeah. And Chapman was the only one I got into. Hmm. And How do you feel like fate's working out for you so far? I mean, now I, that have, you look back. <laughs> <laughs> I have a definite um, misgivings about film school in general. And I think that's like another podcast. Mm. Um, like you don't think it's total? worth the. Uh, it, it's hard for me to say it's not worth it because it definitely was worth it for the relationships that I made um, in terms of did I learn how to be a film producer at film school? No. Right. You know? um, did I learn how to be on a major set? No. Like I did get quote unquote experience mm. making short films on film. Yeah. Um, but ultimately like I didn't learn how to budget or schedule at, in film school. Which is really weird. It, That's like I where agree it with starts. You. <laughs> and, and I agree with you. And maybe it's different now, but the two years I was there, just yeah. there, that wasn't there. Um, so the relationships that I have, you know, I mean, I guess the most important one is my husband. I met him there, mm -hmm. uh, but also I have a lot of working, working relationships with people that I went to school there with and even people I didn't go to school with that are alumni 
yeah that I've worked with like the the Chapman network is a real thing so like I also just paid my student loan today so you've caught me on a day where I'm like feeling sort of in the middle about it mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't advise it today people get uh when they ask me like how do I feel about it I'm always honest the money you would spend on film school just like intern for two years right like because that's what it's going to cost to live for two years so just like go get all that experience in actual the actual industry yeah at film school I mean you feel like that's the advice if someone wants to sort of be more in the producing track or in general in general yeah like the screenwriters might have had a better experience than the directors and producers and cinematographers because you're just you know writing all the time and you're learning how to write and you're getting good feedback from amazing professors and your your peers which is not um so that's kind of not a waste of time Mm because at least you yeah you have things at the end of it um but for us well I think it's like a craft that I don't know you can sit alone in a room and write but you can't produce alone in a vacuum you can't really shoot something alone in a vacuum you can't direct what are you going to direct like objects right so you have to have that collaboration and be like on your feet doing stuff so maybe that's the difference is that something that is sort of more alive and breathing and you're just kind of figuring it out as you go is harder to teach because you have to be in the trenches doing it yeah you know yeah totally agree but that's what I did I wouldn't have done it without film school I lived in Georgia my entire life so Like I would not have moved to LA to try and be a film producer without that safety net. So that's the other thing. Like what was my option? That that was my option when I was 22. When I graduated, um, I didn't want to go get a job at an agency or I I didn't want to go be an assistant. Mm -hmm. I just felt like, what am I doing if that's what I'm going to try and go do after film school? So I just started producing whatever I could, you know, like looking on Craigslist, looking on Mandy.com, like someone has a music video and they'll pay me $500 to produce it. I'll do that. You yeah. know? So I did a bunch of that. I did a feature film with, um, uh, Nate, Nate directed that and Benjamin shot it. Um, that you Benjamin's know, her husband, Benjamin's my husband. Um, and you know, Beth Grant, Octavia Spencer, like they're in the movie. Like it, it's a, for that to be our first feature that we did like this summer out of film school. That was pretty, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And you know, Beth and, um, I'm still very close to Beth and her daughter, Mary. And mm. Mary was in a project, a little passion project uh, we did last year, you know? Yeah. And that's, so that relationship is, you know, 11 years old. Like that was one of the early relationships right out of film school. And I'm still working with them today. Yeah. And I, I did, um, I worked for Mattel for a couple of years doing mm-hmm. animated Barbie movies, which was super fun. Mm. Um, but ultimately I, I didn't see a future for myself at Mattel at the time. I thought like, because if I'd wanted to stay there forever, I could have just stayed there making Barbie movies forever. Right. Um, but ultimately, I was like, I really just want to get back into the independent producing world. And I was given the opportunity to do that with um, someone actually contacting me via Facebook. They hmm. had seen the Herpes Boy trailer. <laughs> Herpes Boy is a feature I was re- referencing earlier with Beth Grant. Yeah. And they were impressed. And they reached out to me and said, I've written a feature. Can you produce it? And... Um, that was David Steinberg, and he uh, wrote that. He wrote American Pie 2. Nice. Um, more importantly, he and his wife just created a show that's on Netflix now called No Good Nick, which is really great. Oh, nice. Um, Check it out. It is, yeah, it's fun. If you like, you know, little... It has Melissa Joan Hart and Sean Astin, so... Okay. Oh, okay. I think I saw... Yeah, yeah. there's billboards. Promo for um, mm-hmm. But so he reached out to me. That allowed me to leave Mattel 
to go do that. Mm -hmm. And then that just sort of, then I had movie after movie after catapulted you into that. Yeah. Yeah. And you were doing this alone because like uh, later on, a lot of people tend to get below the line agents, which rep line producers, but you were line producing at the time. Yes. And I, when did I get an agent? Like a year ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. Two years ago. But it was basically you finding your own work and referrals, recommends, just word of mouth. This person's great. Hired this person. And that's pretty typical, I think, with line producers. Yeah. Yeah. They come in pretty early on. Like, yeah, I, it's funny, like the, they did get me Lorena, but you know, usually I get my own stuff. So. Yeah. So then how would you define a line producer and capital P producer? Um, Well, a line producer manages the budget and schedule, Mm -hmm. uh, handles all the logistics, the hiring and firing, basically just managing the physical aspects of the shoot which does involve like managing people yeah um as well you know you have to be aware of creative because you have to understand like why something uh is worth it or not and i feel like whenever i'm you know making suggestions of what to cut because of financial reasons i'm also thinking like well what what could serve this creatively as well right um you know what what are my suggestions for this um so that people don't feel like I'm just constantly saying no and trying to like kill their darlings. And right. Right. Um, you also had to be able to read a script and kind of know how much it's going to cost. Is there a difference in your mind and from your experiences between line producing and being a UPM since I know in our world as indie producers, that tends to be a hybrid position. Yeah. Oftentimes I haven't really noticed. I mean, on most everything, uh, we've done they haven't been separate positions or most you know I I didn't have a a UPM until very recently right you know um so it was always me or uh I worked for a while with um another line producer named Nate Kelly and we would like split up stuff but that we were doing you know million dollar movies where we also didn't have accountants or production coordinator so like Nate and I were basically doing four jobs yeah that we were splitting into yeah um and I'm very grateful I don't have to do that again. <laughs> I don't have to yeah. do the accounting ever again. Especially for million dollar budgets. Those are rough. Yeah. They were rough back then and they're rougher now. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's almost impossible to make one now. Yeah. Like I for sure. I can't imagine making one now. Because you can't make a union one. I know you have. I can't believe you have. I did. It was um, rough. <laughs> yeah. But like it wasn't a million though. It was a little over, right? It was a million. Oh, I mean, wow. it was a tier zero, which doesn't exist. It's just like, as long as you pay people minimum wage, you can pay them whatever you want, which is like, well, because you have to pay, but you have to pay their pension and health. But you have to pay pension and health. Yeah. And it's not a good time because finding crew members who are going to come and work for, you know, here's like $14 an hour for a department head when they're used to making minimum 27 at the lowest entry level is really hard. Well, I feel like the only people who would want to do that are people who are trying to get into the union. So like you're trying to flip people in. Well, it's relationships. It's trying to flip people in. And so, you know, the movie that I did that I will not name, uh, (laughs) That was really hard. I mean, it I was a pop up every now and then. I still haven't watched it's it. It's fine. Okay. I mean, it's the kind of experience that I almost left this business altogether because yeah. it just Been really there. robbed me of myself so yeah. much and wasn't really worth the reward. You know, yes, yeah. I grew a ton because that's the only thing you can take yeah. if you're smart is the lessons and the growth. But what it cost me was really hard to recover from. So yeah, I would not do another one again. But I do think it's an important sort of um, notch under someone's belt to go through an experience 
experience that hard you see and understand all the elements that are at play then you start to value what a really good what a good accountant means yep and why like i'll never ever again not have that be like whatever the rate that person needs to be to get the best person possible you know where your cuts get made so you learn a lot of for every concession you make as a line producer, all it means is you're going to be the person doing that job and picking yeah. up the slack because it still needs to get done. Yeah, and I'm too old for that. It's interesting. I almo- I also had two, there were two experiences, two projects that almost killed me. Yeah. And uh, almo- literally almost, uh, killed, almost killed me. This is like, not like yeah, a, almost yeah. left the industry um, after, you know, both of those. And uh, the first one that happened, I had, after that, I was like, I, I didn't know what to do. I just, I took five months off. I didn't know who I was anymore. I was like, this is not what I wanted to do. Yeah. And that was the first time that it ever happened in my and, career. And this is because of just, I mean, obviously you don't want you to go into name names. Just a horrible experience. Yeah. yeah. Like people, people treating you a every, certain way. Yep. Everything. It was, it was a very, very difficult movie for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And I, on top of that, felt like I had no support. And which is um, the worst. Yeah. And it was, you know, we were just talking about, you know, your very long days, you know, it was like 20 hour days all the time. There, there were, there were times I didn't sleep and I would just, I would fall asleep in my clothes, wake up and go to set in the same clothes I had worn the day before. And everyone was so tired. I knew no one would notice that. Like I didn't care. And I knew no one else would care because they were probably doing the same thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so you can imagine that that was a horrible situation and it was out of town. You know, I didn't have like the, I wasn't sleeping in my own bed at night. I didn't have like the support of my friends and husband, like everything that you need to recharge yourself when you're working like such long days with all these people. And um, I was like, I'm never going to work again. <laughs> and then uh, like uh, I got sent a script and I like didn't want to read it. And I was just like, uh. and I, then I read it and I was like, oh, I'm making this movie. And it was short term 12. Yeah. Yeah. So pause the story there because okay. like. I really want to talk about that. But in those five months where you almost left the business, what kept you going? It's so long ago. So what what was this? Like 2012, I think. Um, I don't, I, I spent that five months trying to figure out what else I could do with my life. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I was like, okay, well, if it's not film producing, if it's not living in Los Angeles, what is it? You know, what else, what, like, what do you even have the skills to do? Mm -hmm. Um, What do you want to do? where do you want to live? Like, like, what is your exit plan? If, if you're leaving the industry, you know, not the entire five months was soul searching. Like part of it was just like recovering, like physically yeah. recovering. Yeah. I, you know, I've, that was like, I'd had it. I had a nervous breakdown. That was the first time that had ever happened. You know, I was like trying to just get my like sanity back during mm-hmm. those five months and just like chilling out. Um, but also just like doing a lot of soul searching and exploring, like, what do I want to do? And it was that I was still in the middle of that when short term 12 came to me, mm. um, making that movie like cleansed me mm. of all of it yeah. because that was a great experience. That was the first time I felt like I was appreciated by producers mm-hmm. above me and, uh, everyone wanted to be there. <laughs> we, you know, it's a movie with a lot of kids in it. The hours were great. I feel, I feel like we had 10 hour days most of the time, yeah. which is insane when you just think about that movie. I felt like I could go home and go out to dinner. Like I, I felt like I still had a life when I was yeah. making that movie. And I was like, oh, it doesn't have to be a situation where I'm killing myself all the time. And it doesn't have to be a situation where I'm underappreciated. It, that just became a lesson for me of like, oh, 
choose your projects better, you know? And uh, thankfully I was in a place, I was in a financial place where I was allowed to do that Mm -hmm. because, you know, why I had maybe taken jobs I shouldn't have taken up until that point was I just needed to, I needed the experience to build my resume and I needed to make money. Yeah. And short term 12 really changed all of that for me. And it also became, I started getting a lot of, yeah. A, a lot of more like people coming to me asking me to produce yeah. their stuff. Well, what changed? I mean, what do you think, like what was different about that project? Was it the people? Was yeah. it the it was script? The pe- like, I mean, it's both because the, the people, uh, the people were really good people. You know, yeah. the producers were great. Destin, the director is great. The entire crew had either worked with Destin before or worked with Nate and me before. There was loyalty everyone like everyone knew we were making something special yeah and there was no expectation that anyone needed to kill themselves over it like it was just a very welcoming warm set and that I had not experienced before so I think it was both of that and you know like I didn't make a lot of money on that movie at all that the budget was five hundred thousand dollars you know (laughs) so like I'm that's insane when I think about that I'm like how did I do how long did you guys shoot for 20 days like you wouldn't even know how to make a movie for that much now yeah I mean we had a very small crew yeah um like extremely small um like we had two people in G&E we had we shot with two cameras we only had one AC, yeah. you know, like it was, yeah. it was a, just a very small crew. Yeah. The place that we shot it at, um, was like out in the middle of nowhere. So we got a really good deal. Like, you know, we didn't have a location manager. Nate and I did that, yeah. which, but like we could do that because there weren't that many locations. Right. Um, and it's hard because I wouldn't have known, you don't know until you're in it. Right. If the people are good or bad, I know. really. And you just have to either take a risk or trust your gut or whatever it is. And, um, I have tried to listen to that more. I can't, I have not been successful all the time. <laughs> I, there are definitely times, you know, I can definitely speak to other projects after 2012 where uh, I did not have a good experience. I'm just trying to be better about listening to myself and, and like if there's a red flag at the beginning, that red flag's not going away. Right. Well, and I think there's that, that, that thing of pride that we all have is when we take on a project, like you may find out you know, however much into prep or in the beginning of the shoot, like, oh, this is not good people. This is going to suck, but you're not going to walk away from it. It's like really rare to do that. You just kind of have to stick it out and write yeah. it out. You know, there's just this like sense of responsibility to finish the thing that you started, yeah. even if it kills me, Yeah, <laughs> you know, which is funny because like that doesn't really, that doesn't apply to everyone on the crew. No. You know, we, we've seen people, oh, God, you yeah. know, quit four days in like yeah. because they're just going to go on to whatever is better or, or something else and that's 100% not what a line producer's job is and and if you do that you're probably not going to get hired a lot exactly like, if you if you prep a show and then you quit well and also through, if you're the line producer getting a call for a job that's like in production because that line producer quit it's like what am I stepping into yeah absolutely um, but yeah 20, 2012 short-term 12 which for the listeners is one of my favorite movies. Uh, one of the movies that changed the game for me and why I met Elizabeth was because I know I found out she was speaking at a panel and I was like, this is my favorite movie. I love everything about this movie. I need to know how this was made. I want to learn about the people who made this. And we met at this panel and this is a story for another day, but then we started <laughs> working together. But hearing you talk about that, the fact that the movie had that, what I think is that special lightning in a bottle experience that sometimes gets created on set 
I believe that gets imprinted on the screen. And to me, like you feel that when you watch a movie, especially something that is that low budget where it's like, it's just people getting together and telling a story. Yeah. And that really translates. I think it gets imprinted onto the screen in a way that's really special and palpable. And that to me is one of the many reasons why that movie did what it did when it came out and stood out and, and honestly still holds up. Like I oh, yeah. read the script every once in a while and rewatch it every once in a while. And I still am so it's moved by it. It's such a good it. script too. A lot of incredible actors yeah. in that movie. It's kind of nuts. In their infancy, you know, you got yeah. Rami Malek who just run, a, run an Academy Award. Yeah. Like insane. Obviously Brie Larson goes without saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lakeith, Lakeith Stanfield. Lakeith yeah. Stanfield. He's oh my God. Amazing. He's incredible. Yeah. Every part of it that could be touched and could be amplified in all the best ways it was. You I know? completely agree. And so, you know, I'm yeah. just like fangirling. But no, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I true. agree. It's true. I, I remember when I saw it for the first time with the music. Like I saw it finished, like colored with the music and everything. I cried. Of course. Because you just that last scene where, you know, they're running across the lawn and like the music swells and you're just like, you know, it, that was such a great like cap to. Yeah that and then you know we got into south by southwest and i had been a part of movies before that i gotten into major film festivals and um that had gone a certain way that was kind of disappointing Mm. when when short-term 12 got into south by southwest like the producers took care of us they got like an airbnb for a bunch of us and you know there was a party like it was like yes let's celebrate we made a movie that got into south by we the collective not i the director yes not i not i the director not i the producer we made this together that continued like after set is what I'm trying to say yes so it was a good experience from I start mean, to finish I think that's incredible it's interesting if had that project not fallen into your world at that time who knows if you would have even been producing that's true yeah like it was exactly what you needed to restore your faith in humanity yeah. and in this uh, the reason why you, I think you got into this in the first place which is to be a part of telling stories that matter and have impact but it's hard to maintain that sense of like connection to the source of why you do this especially like when you're working that 17 hour day and you really want to walk away from it all it's got to be worth it you know I think you said this to me once you were like I got to care about it enough at midnight on a Tuesday yeah the mistakes I've made the past couple years have been choosing projects that I didn't care about enough and for for whatever reason because they because of who was producing it or the money or whatever when I look back at the the experiences that were bad it's just it's more like oh you just really didn't care either yeah and that's such a horrible thing for me to because that's I have to care about what I'm working on yeah because if I'm not then what then I might as well go work like a nine to five you know I'm definitely a a quote-unquote live to work person Mm -hmm. and I think most I mean I think if if you're a producer that's what you are you can't be the other type you have to care um, and if you don't, you probably shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. So short term 12, and yeah. that opens up all these incredible doors. Mm-hmm. And what kind of things did you do after that? Um, I did, uh, a couple of movies for Netflix, um, that were very fun to do. Um, one with Bob Odenkirk mm-hmm. and one with, uh, Jared Stern, uh, that you both worked on. So. I also worked on. Yes. You said you both. I'm like, who's the other person? I meant that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I just um, like heard it wrong. Yes. That was actually the first feature I got to be a part of from the very beginning of like the narrative feature from the beginning of like prep that was really special and I learned a lot and it was really I remember stepping into it like being like whoa I had no idea 
even, and I had been producing, but I had been doing commercials. I had done yeah. a doc. I had done some shorts, you know, play, but it's a completely different beast when you step into the feature world. And that was a really great experience for me, especially because yeah. I had fun fact, I had been Bob's nanny many years prior. So to have this sort of like full circle feeling of like, wow, I sat on his couch and mm-hmm. hung out with him and he taught me how to cook tilapia and make dinner for the kids. <laughs> and here I am getting to be a part of the production that's supporting one of the first Netflix original it movies. It was one of the first ones. You and know? Bob had had that script for 10 years. Like he'd yeah. been trying to get Girlfriend's Day made for 10 years. And I had been attached to Girlfriend's Day, I think for five by the time we shot it. Yeah. Like a long, a long time. Like, um, and then, yeah, Netflix wanted to do it and mm-hmm. we did it. And then um, right after that, we did another Netflix movie with a different writer director, which is very fun. Very cute. Romantic Called Happy comedy. Anniversary. Yep. Besides the fact that I produce both of those, my dad is also in both of those. Yes. And I just want to make that There's known. a cameo, so please watch. And when you find Elizabeth's dad, please hit me up yeah. with screenshots of her father. His, uh, he did so well in Girlfriend's Day that we, we gave him a bigger role yeah. in Happy Anniversary. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he was, yeah. And then, so his whole thing is like, he wants to be in everything from now on, mm-hmm. which is fair. But um, he's not an actor. He's a pastor. Yes. he. So. he that's true. He is a pastor. Um <laughs> He has acted before. Yeah. In fact, he's a natural. Don't yeah. get me wrong. No, he's, just he's for got the some listeners, talent. You know. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, in my senior uh, thesis play that yeah. I wrote. So. Well, he couldn't have been in Lorena, huh? Not really. In the reenactments, I mean, he could have. We like talked about hand. it. We talked about it. And I was like, Dad, like, no one will know it's you. Yeah. You know, because it's just like, I don't care. <laughs> no, I was like, do you? I was like, I don't have money to fly you out. So <laughs> you can't be in Lorena unless you do it. And then he definitely didn't want to be in Tour de Pharmacy. So yeah, that's, that's fair. That's definitely that's fair. not his vibe. Um, We'll see about the next one. But okay. So that Tour de Farm, Happy yep. Anniversary, Miss Virginia, and then Lorena. Yeah. Yeah. So Lorena came. I was in one of my like, I had taken three months off sort of thing. Like, didn't really know if I wanted to do this anymore because Girlfriend's Day and Happy Anniversary were good experiences. Tour de Pharmacy was not. And you had just come off of that. And I had just come yeah. off of that. And it, had, it Tour de Pharmacy was the project that like would not die in the sense that we basically shot once a month for a year. You know, when Kevin Bacon's available, we sh- like we shot Kevin Bacon on Labor Day because that's <laughs> when he was available. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just something that like I had to do for a year and then like there was a month when we were finishing it like we had an air date which was like July 8th or something we were like scrambling to finish it like I'm I know we delivered that master like two days before air you know Benjamin was the colorist and he did all the visual effects with his company so like June of that year June of 2017 he and I worked seven days a week on tour de pharmacy just like scrambling to finish it you know and it was not a rewarding experience it was not it was not financially rewarding it was not professionally rewarding um it was difficult it was difficult and for a lot of different reasons you know when you're married to someone that you're working with and you're working with them that much it just became like we would go to dinner and I'd be like we can't talk about it I can't talk about Twitter pharmacy anymore yeah. like and so that was very difficult and I was like sort of in um that like, what am I going to do? And then UTA wanted to sign me. And I was like, okay, fine. Like, let's see what UTA can do. And UTA brought me Lorena, which was, we, you know, a, it's a docu-series, uh, executive produced by Jordan Peele. And that's all they knew at the time when they said, we're going to send you in for this interview. 
it's about, they didn't know it was about Lorena Bobbitt. Like no one even knew that. They were telling everyone it's a documentary about the 24 hour news cycle, and, but it's executive produced by Jordan Peele. And I was like, okay, well, this is interesting. And then I go to the interview and they tell me it's about Lorena Bobbitt. It's reframing the story from her perspective because, you know, 25 years ago, it was not her perspective at right. all. You know, I'm hearing Josh and Steven, Josh, the director and Steven, the producer, talk about it with such passion and like they clearly want to get this right because we as a society got it wrong 25 years ago mm. and I was like a documentary huh like I've never really done that before like I sort of I had worked on a documentary before but not um it would nothing this big mm -hmm. nothing this well-funded I guess yeah and uh I was like oh yeah this sounds like something I want to do so I took that job worked on it you know from like October 2017 till basically a month ago. <laughs> um, so it was the longest job I've ever had that wasn't Mattel. Yeah. That took some adjusting at, at some points because I'm used to like doing a narrative feature that's like three months out of your life, like prep for a month, shoot for a month, post for a month, you know? Yeah. And this was like, oh no, you're working on this like for over a year. And also doing things I'd never done before, like learning how to clear archival. Like I, that's not a thing you do in narrative. No. Um, and, and having such a lengthy post period and having post at the same time as production, I definitely learned a lot. Yeah. And, it, and I'm also very proud of it. I think it's really good. That sort of brought me out of that thing of like, oh, okay, it's not, it's not producing you don't like. It's the, the last project you did. Right. You know, and like just learn from this, learn to make better decisions. And well, you forgot to mention in that year that you were doing Lorena, you also just <laughs> stepped off momentarily to go produce another feature. I that did. was like three, four months of your life right. of prep and shoot. And yeah. then post has, yeah. you know, been ongoing until now, but yeah, it's done. <laughs> it's done. It's now. finally done. Yeah. But um, it was a very, it was a very long, very long and intense. Yeah. For you. Longer than normal post uh, period for a, an independent narrative. <laughs> so what is it that you look for then in something like if you had to say, hey, these are the things I need for it to be a good experience. What are those things? The just respect uh, among you're asking for too much. I, I mean, just I, I don't even mean like respect for me. I mean, everyone having respect for each other, mm. like having a good work environment. A lot of that, like just half has to come from the top down. And there were things on that movie that we couldn't avoid and that's right. how they were and um it was also a hard movie we had a lot of locations we had a lot of we had a huge cast dc for a week yeah, yeah. oh my god we went to dc for about a week that. i, I did not, not forget that we went to dc for a week um <laughs> i will never forget i don't, like don't need to set foot in that city for a long time just <laughs> <FYI>. <laughs> um it was just more like I wasn't excited to go to work every day yeah and i could tell that a lot of other people weren't excited to go to work every day and I feel like, you know, you and I and Stacy and Bobby and uh, other people like did our best to try and make it a place that people were excited to go to work every day. Yeah. But ultimately, sometimes that just doesn't happen. Well, it's, you if, know, if, if there's a systemic issue, like you yeah. can't, there's only so much you can do. It's almost like when there's a virus, yeah. you can only contain it because once it's there, yeah. you can't kill it you can try but then that's just the world you're in and it's about okay how do we keep this shit from not spreading yeah that responsibility of just we got to get to the finish line we just got to see this through right even if it kills you yeah I mean the only thing you can do is just not work with those people again yeah I feel like we've had this conversation before um I can't make someone care 
Right. You, you can't know? make someone be a better human. Yeah. Like I, I can't make someone care about their job, other people. So ultimately you just don't work with those people again. Yeah. You know, and like that's besides the fact that Lorena is good and I'm proud of it, you know, mm-hmm. that everyone there really cared about what they were doing. Yeah. You know, you feed off that energy, you know, like if, if people at the top care about what they're doing, you know, everyone's going to respond with that sort of energy. Unfortunately, I guess realizing it's kind of rare, at least in this low budget indie world, I think it might, it's rare. Same. I can't speak for studio movies. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Or TV shows. What do you think are some of the biggest um, misconceptions people have about producers? Like line producers or producers? All of it. All of it. Um, That they don't do anything, which is, just not true I mean it's probably true in some cases of you know of course there are people who don't do anything um but you know a real working producer does a lot and they're there from the beginning of a project and they're shepherding it through and just because you know they're sitting at video village doesn't mean they didn't put in the work leading up to that it doesn't mean that they aren't answering emails all day about you know cast issues or or whatever like trying to problem solve for the future days like that that is a misconception that really annoys me that like oh we just sit around and don't do anything mm-hmm. a misconception about line producers is that um they're just always going to tell you no and that you shouldn't be honest with them about what you want because they're just going to tell you no and you should ask for more than uh what you think you're going to get because they're going to lowball you or undercut you um that you know I I'm like a very transparent person. I yeah. don't try to like whatever I have in for your budget, I'm going to tell you what it is. Like I'm not going to wheel and deal you yeah. over this thing because I ultimately want the same thing you want, which is the best possible version of this movie. I don't get anything by saving like $2,000 out of the wardrobe budget, you yeah. know, that they could it doesn't go in your like, pocket. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't get anything out of that. So why yeah. wouldn't I want it to make the best possible thing. When you're working with people for the first time or department heads for the first time, they always think you're like that kind of line producer that's like lying to them and yeah. saying, we don't have the money, we don't have the money, when in reality you do. So those two things, that's what I would say. Those two things. Yeah. I forget what question I asked you the last time we spoke where you were like, there are two things I hate about LA and we got on this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, don't, I wish I remember. Oh yeah, I remember it super well. We were sort of talking on the frustrating realities of how your worth is so only as good as the thing you just finished. Oh yeah. And that no matter what you just finished, it's like there's a perception that, well, you need to be doing more. Well, you're not yeah. doing enough. Well, you're only working on one thing. Yeah. Lorena just premiered. You don't have your next job. Like what oh, is wrong with you? Oh, and I've definitely gotten that. Yeah. The past couple of months. So that's, yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah. It's extremely frustrating yeah. um, because it, I think I had just read that millennial burnout article or no, we, it, no? Was, it was before that. That was after. Okay. This was like, then I, like in August then, of last year. Okay. I didn't have a name for millennial burnout at the time, but I definitely was feeling, feeling it. it. Yeah. That's like a daily struggle for me to psych myself out of that because that is so ingrained, I think, in our generation and especially in Los Angeles, just like mm-hmm. you should constantly be hustling. What what are you trying to do? Oh, you're working on something? Well, aren't you trying to line up the next thing? And are you writing on the weekends while you're doing this other thing? And it's just like, can I live my life? You know? Yeah. Can I go out to eat or without feeling like 
I need to be doing a side project, you know? Yeah. And that was definitely something I experienced a a lot. And that article really helped crystallize it. Yeah. And put a name to it so that I can be aware of it. Why do you think that that is such a concern for people here? Because that is such a, I don't, I can't speak for other markets. Yeah. I often wonder, are the people who ask me that question asking me that because they don't have anything going on or are they that busy? You know, I'm, what drives that? I don't, I, I don't know. And like, I think we talked about the fact that I'll, I'll sometimes avoid going to parties because I just want to avoid that question. Yeah. We have literally not gone to some parties before because I was like, I don't want to talk about it. You know, I, I, I don't want to talk about what I'm working on. Not because I'm not proud of it or not because, you know, I don't because like it. Because there's more to you than what you're working yeah. on. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like it's just it's like akin to asking how's the weather like yeah. people just they just don't know what so else to uncomfortable say. and it's like that and you know how was the traffic getting here <laughs> like they're you know they're just like how did terrible what roads did you take to get here you know they're yeah I, they do feel sort of automatic yeah in in that sense and yeah. but because of that then you feel like I have to have an answer and I have to have an answer that is good or even just that I'm comfortable with right because I've definitely been unemployed sometimes when that question has happened and people have a lot of questions about that like why are you unemployed you know what happened what what, yeah what happened why aren't you working because the idea is that like you should constantly be working right and trying to do and if you don't then something is wrong with you yeah yeah like god forbid you actually just want to break when girlfriend's day happened which we shot you know right before christmas and then we took christmas off and then we came back and finished in Mm -hmm. january because of Bob's, you know, Better Call Saul schedule. Um, not because I'm bad at my job. That's just how we had to do it. Um, <laughs> you know, I before Girlfriend's Day happened, Benjamin and I had had a um, trip to Italy planned. Like, tickets bought, hotel, like, all of that. And that had been planned for a long time. And then that's when Girlfriend's Day was going to shoot. And I just got a month before we were going to go. I got really antsy about being gone over the Christmas break because I thought I'm I thought I was the only one who could handle things Mm -hmm. you know I was like if I'm out of the country and something happens I don't know that it's going to get taken care of and I just realized even if that's not true that I would not be able to enjoy my vacation I was just not mentally Mm -hmm. there so we canceled it and then Last year, we went to Hong Kong. And this is like, that was the first time I'd been out of the country, you know? I mean, I've been to Mexico, but come on. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? The first the first place, like, really, like, it's a real travel vacation. Yeah. I love that city. I want to go back. <laughs> but what was so great about it is that I, at that point, you know, I was working on Lorena. I definitely was in a mental space where I could be like, it's all going to be okay. You're going to handle it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's going to be fine. Yeah. I don't have to worry about it. That's one of the reasons why it was so great, because I was actually able to enjoy it. Right. Um, And I feel like that is, I'm just trying to take that feeling with me, you know? Yeah. And like another good Girlfriend's Day vacation story is we were done shooting in January and then we were in post. And Benjamin and I went to Georgia for a month in April. I had to have like two hour conference calls, like several days. Like one day we were on a hike. And I had to get on a call with like Mark and Bob. And my mom still references that. Every time I, I'm visiting her, she's out here. She's like, are you going to have to do that while you're visiting? And like, I'm obviously I didn't want to do that while I was uh, on yeah. vacation. But I didn't uh, know how to handle that in a better way. Or, n- or know how to say, I'm available this day, but I'm not available these other days. Mm-hmm. 
I think I've gotten better at that. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's like that sense of responsibility. Yeah. You think that you're the only person and if anything goes wrong or implodes, it's you, it's on you. Yeah. But I think the, another part of that is learning to be a better delegator and having people who work in your team yeah. that you can trust so that if you are going to step away or if you need someone else to be on a call and take notes for you, like you can trust that it's going to be handled the way that you would, you yeah. know, and that's going to, I think that that's a part of it as well. And that only comes with maturity of like yeah. knowing what you're doing so well and having the sort of confidence that you've done versions of this project so many times that the probability statistically of it going wrong yeah. is not likely. I know. Right. <laughs> but like we still psych ourselves out. Part of your job as a line producer, like as a producer in general is like, you do need to think about the worst case scenario. Of course. Like, what are you, you going to do if this happens? What are you going to do if, like, you know, your actor that you only have for one day gets sick? Like, what are you going to do if it rains on the day you're shooting on the golf course? You know, like. You can plan for it, you know, this as much as you want. But when it actually happens, there's all, there's not much you can do. Yeah. There's, like, mo decisions you can make on the day or we're leading up to it to pivot. But you can't kill yourself by trying to resolve all the issues that don't exist yet because right. then I think you are not resting you're not taking care of yourself to actually rise up to the occasion when these challenges do come up and you have to you know deal with them in real time so there's that but you know how like how in these moments of lulls in your career where you haven't worked and you have been unemployed and especially because you freelanced for so long like what what keeps you sane like how do mm. you stay together mentally emotionally to keep going I um create other things that are my job so for example going to the gym is part of my job going to like uh working on a cross stitch project mm -hmm. like I'll, I'll make goals for the month things like that it's just it's so it's not like otherwise I'll just spend you know the whole day playing World of Warcraft yeah um so I yeah I create other things that keep me sane but that are but that are ultimately for me and not work related and, and every time I'm not working is because I'm choosing not to work specifically right. in this gap between Lorraine and the next thing my goal has been get healthier I have and I have done that so yeah and yeah I'm very happy about it um, I love it I love it how do you feel like you've grown or evolved as a producer like now looking back just I guess to maybe short term 12 I'm definitely getting better. Like, you know, yeah. every every project I'm learning something new. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to take projects where uh, there's a new skill involved or like either it's more money, so it's like a bigger crew or more shoot days, or it's something like Lorena where suddenly I'm having to do something I've never done before. Uh, different projects, you know, if you, my resume like doesn't really make any sense in terms of, all the different types of things I've worked on. Right. And I take pride in that because I don't, I don't I'll only want to work on comedy. I don't only want to work on drama where I'm at is like, I don't want to do the same thing all yeah. the time. Like, you know, again, I did really enjoy happy anniversary, but I don't want to make happy anniversary too. You know? Right. So then what do you, how do you um, evolve in that way? Is it saying no to certain things? Like what is the strategy? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely said no to things that I've felt like, well, I've made this movie before. Um, I've also said no to things where I'm like, well, I've seen this movie before, mm. you know? Like, the, the things that have really excited me the past couple of years have been 
things that I haven't seen before. And I'm even, I'm talking about movies that, uh, scripts that came to me that I didn't end up doing for scheduling purpose, purposes or whatever. Like when I read the script for eighth grade, mm-hmm. which was at the time called Coolest Girl in the World, which I think is a great title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was like, I've never seen this movie before. This is something I want to do. Most recently, a friend of ours, Brian DeGuire, wrote a script. Yeah. I read it and was like, oh, this, I've never seen this movie before. Like I, like this is something I want to be a part of, you know, it's usually stuff like that where it it excites me in a way that like, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I'm sure when they were making Get Out, they were like, we can't point to anything like this. Yeah. Doesn't exist. We're, we're making this, this is new, you know? And, um, there's something exciting about that. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to the end. Um, what advice would you give to someone who, um, not just wants to get in this business because I think that's too vague. I think specifically wants to be a producer with a varied resume like you have been able to achieve. Um, I would say that it's hard. Like that <laughs> would be the first. Like, don't do it. I mean, that Best would be the first. Like yeah. I would, you know, again, I would be very transparent about it and say that it was hard. And there were years where um, I had to work on projects I didn't care about uh, because I just needed the money and I needed to build my experience and some of those projects were very very difficult and they were seven days a week like I was working on it every day you know it wasn't like a normal job yeah so I would say that if any of that scares you then you shouldn't do it because that's definitely how it's going to be for a while and I think even when you're working on big studio stuff it's like that sometimes you know it's definitely taking over your life Mm -hmm. are you comfortable with that like what do you and I would also say like what do you actually want out of your lifestyle like do you want kids do you want to be do you want to be able to hang out with them on the weekends do you want to be able to go to their recitals because that might not be possible Mm -hmm. you're going to miss out on some stuff because you have to be present for the movie first and um you know there are a lot of people who you know, we're career line producers and now work at like studios because they want to spend more time with their kids and like, because they know that that lifestyle isn't conducive to that sort of life. So that's another thing I would ask, like, think about what you want your life to be. Yeah. It, it's not something I would recommend. I gotta be honest. Do you want to cut that out? You don't want No, that? I want the honesty. <laughs> I want the truth. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's, you know, a good line producer is hard to find. And I think that you're coming into a situation where you don't have a good rep in the first place. Like nobody really likes a line producer because you're always saying no. So you have to be aware of that. And then you have to realize that your job is super hard. And not only do you have to be good at budgeting and scheduling, which is a a skill, you know, Mm -hmm. that not everyone is good with, that you also have to be good at managing a bunch of different personalities. Yeah. And that's also a skill that not everyone has. And those are, two very different things that have to be in one person. And what I have found sometimes is that, you know, some line producers are better at one than the other. You just have to work on perfecting both of those things. I don't like networking. I don't like any of that stuff, but I know what I've got myself into. Right. You know, I know that that's part of the job. <laughs> like I'm, I cannot like it and still recognize that it's part of my job. Right. And that, I, and that it's something that I need to be good at. You know, that's something I realized a long time ago. I would just think about all those things. Yeah. You know, if that's what you want to do. <laughs> so if you could go back knowing what you know now, like, do you think you would have done something differently when let's just pretend like you still would have come out here 
or you still would have met Benjamin no matter where you ended up right like that's not the the point of contention but yeah if you if some if a future Elizabeth told 22 year old Elizabeth like hey you're probably gonna feel this way 12 years later would I would you still do it no what would you have done then? I don't know, but yeah. I was 22, so yeah. I definitely had time to figure it out. <laughs> you yeah, know? for sure. And that it, it, you know, it was a decision that I made at 22 that at 35 I'm managing to live with. I have done projects that I like, and I, I do day to day like my job. I don't want to give the impression that I don't like doing what I do because I do, but it is, it's hard. And there are times where I'm like, well, you know, why didn't I? do something that afforded more stability right like why why did I do something that where I was going to wonder sometimes where the next paycheck was coming yeah. from and because that's just added stress to all the other stress you know mm-hmm. that I created for myself well and the reality is it, it I always wanted to believe that it somehow gets easier and it doesn't <laughs> Yeah, like uh, I think aspects of it get easier. Sure, like you get faster, you get better. Yeah, like maybe things don't take as long because you, yeah, you know, can schedule and budget better. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I would do, Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's you know every like I said every time I've had those couple of months where I'm like I'm gonna leave, (laughs) I'm gonna do something else. Yeah, I've never figured out what that thing is, so I don't, I don't know what it is, and it's not. It's more like, well, what would I? I take a lot of pride in how um how I do my job and that I'm good at it and like when I when I figure out something when I solve a problem that is a big thing for me that that gives me pride I don't know what job is out there where I would get that same sort of satisfaction I I wouldn't it's not something I would suggest to someone like if you can do anything else you should do that thing you know and I've always said that um, if I could do anything else, I would do that thing. But I don't know what that thing is. Yeah. Unfortunately. And I also really like Los Angeles. <laughs> so, you know, if you're going to live here, you might as well be in the industry. Yeah. Um, okay. I like it. It's very honest. It's very mm-hmm. authentic. And look, that's the point of this, you know, is my goal is that if someone is 22 years old and listening and thinking about it and because they have a perception of what we do that sure. is – um you know, red carpets with celebrities and movie premieres and film festivals and, and that, which does happen. Sure. But it's a very small percentage of what we do. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's sometimes the only part that is visible. Um, right. So I would hope that that person listening would use this as really important insider information to make that decision for themselves, you know, if that's really the path they want to take. Yeah. Have any of your other producers been like, been, has everyone been super positive about their job? No, okay, no. <laughs> I think a lot of people I've spoken to, especially people who freelance, there's this general sense of like, if I could do something else, I'd be doing it. Yeah. It's hard. And like you said, yeah. the people who do have goals for themselves, they want a balance or they want a normal like nine to five or they want to more time with their families or to have children or a relationship like you start to get older and your priorities start to change. Yeah. And so, yeah. And that's, you know, you know, you can't make that decision or have that visibility for yourself at 22. Yeah. This sort of feeling is, I would say, you know, like relatively new for me. You know, I thought I did want to be in narrative, like scripted forever. Like, and I just wanted to keep doing that. And then 
realizing, oh no, like I don't want to do that. That's very new. And like 25 year old me would have been like, what, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Like you dreamed about something like happy anniversary. Like why are why is this not like good enough for you? Um, because I didn't know any better at 25. Well, I think it's like you said at 25, it was good enough. Yeah. And now it isn't because thankfully you grow and you evolve and you start to want different things out of your life and out of your professional fulfillments. And if that isn't growing, I think that that's something to also look at, you know, if you're just content being where you are all the time, like, I don't know, I'm not wired that way. So for me, that's hard to like identify with, like I'm just constantly on the quest for new experiences and new things, which is why I was personally drawn into this business. The more I start to feel like I'm laterally moving around, it's not new. It's kind of like... It's not satisfying. Yeah. It's a different shade of the same color. It's like, cool, but it's still blue. Like, I want red. You know, I want to try red. So you have to advocate for yourself and try try new things. But And the other part of it is like... I. I look at people 10, 15, 20 years my senior who may be down a path that I think I want to be in. Are they happy? What yeah. are they doing? What is their life like? What do they have? You know, do they have a, a balance or are they perhaps they're so happy that their whole life and their whole identity is tied to their profession? But I don't know. I think there's more. There's got to be more. And yeah. So it's part of why I wanted to do this to talk to these interesting people and share these stories that hopefully give more insight and I don't know help us all in some way you know even if it's just a community of other producers who feel the same way or who struggle with the same things like so we're not that alone in this journey even if you're only here for the next two years and then you decide to leave because you find the next (laughs) thing you want to do so I think I'm staying now we'll see yeah I'm yeah well maybe there'll be a part two yes when you leave when I your departure that's right uh, I always have an exit strategy yeah I love it Well, thank you for being on the show. This is so lovely. Thank you so much for doing this life thing with me. I'm so grateful you're here. You keep tuning in week after week. Elizabeth dug into some really deep places and not many people are willing to go there, especially not on a microphone. But this is exactly what the show is about. And so I'm very grateful to her for her honesty. I'd love to know your thoughts on this conversation and what some of your takeaways were. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe, like, rate, review, all the things. I'm at Carolina Groba. The show's at Life with Kaka. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Beijos.